0: Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, and today I'm joined by Matthew Miranda of Posting and Toasting, our uh, Knicks affiliate over on SB Nation. Uh, Matthew, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Very excited yeah, to be here. I'm, uh, I'm really glad to have you on. So it's uh, it's kind of funny. We were originally starting this off. We're going to talk about the, uh, the 90s rivalry between the Pacers and Knicks, but... This week is uh, it's a marvel theme week at SB Nation, so you know, luckily it turns out we're both big Marvel fans. So I, I thought it would be fun if we uh, do some Marvel player-to-MCU uh, to crossover comps. So I'm, I'm excited for this, man. We, I, got, I got a couple pages full of notes and a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, a lot of Im- imaginatory stuff going on up in my head, man. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think where I want to start. Um, did you have anywhere you want to lead off or do you want to just jump right into it? uh i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna take it initially
1: somewhere very nerdy um that has mcu crossover but also um also has like old school nerdy crossover also and i thought of it today while i was driving around and i was excited Mm -hmm. by how many parallels there were so i'm sure people listening to this who are familiar with the nba and the mcu um saw endgame saw infinity war um that whole storyline of you know, Thanos pursuing these, these stones and being all powerful comes from a series, um, 30 years ago written by Jim Starlin, um, that the, the main series was called The Infinity Gauntlet. It was a six issue arc. Before that, um, Thanos actually acquiring the, the gems was a two issue storyline called The Thanos Quest. And I started thinking about Kevin Durant because what's interesting in The Thanos Quest is in the comics originally, um, Thanos is this very powerful accomplished dude. Like he, He has as much going for him. He's got a rep. He's got a history. Like, he's very, very successful. But there's a point where it's not enough. And in the movies, you get this, you know, environmental storyline that he's trying to balance, you know, supplies and resources. In the comics, he's legitimately, like, in love with the character of Death. Like, he's in love with Death. And he wants to get these gems so he can be worthy of Death. So he goes on this sick quest. Like, he has to outsmart, outmaneuver, and just straight-up murder Um, the six different characters who have the gems. And it's it's an amazing accomplishment. It's a beautiful story. It's not just a straight-up, like, you know, bad guy. Like, he's a complicated character. He pulls it off. At the end of the quest, he's done it. He has all the gems, and he goes to see Death, and Death famously, like, she never talks. And he comes to her with the gems, and he gets down on his knee, and he's like, look, I did this for you. We can be together. And she won't talk to him. And it's made clear to him that he's the irony of his accomplishment is that he's now achieved so much by having these gems that death finds it, it would be inappropriate even for her to dare to talk to him. So he pers- he, he pursues everything. He gets it and it costs him everything. And the, theory, the, the comic ends with him sitting dejected, very sad. There might, might be a tear. I think of Durant, I think of a guy who also like had a sick rep, had accomplished all of these things. It wasn't enough. And he sees this opportunity with Gold State to put together just a monster, to put together something that, like the infinity gauntlet, like no one, no one's going to be able to stop it. And to his credit, I think we oversimplify sometimes like, oh, well, yeah, Durant went to the Warriors and they couldn't lose, duh. But we see all the time that just plugging talent into other talent doesn't always yield results. The fact that Durant could – so, like you put Damian Lillard on the Warriors, their talent level is going to go up, but that doesn't necessarily make them better. Um, the fact that this guy could slide right into a 73 win team, fit in perfectly, um, and achieve what the goal was. The goal was, let's be an unstoppable machine, and they were. And yet, at the end of that quest, he's not, I don't, I don't get the sense he's happier. I don't get the sense that when his days in the Bay ended, he looks back and is like, yeah, like that was awesome. I, I think, I think it cost him something. I think it cost him something that he can't get back. Um, and I think it's an interesting lesson on, you know, be careful what you want because you might get it and it may not be what you think it was. And um, I was just struck by how much skinny ass Kevin Durant seems to cross over <laughs> with six Thanos.
0: Yeah, that's okay. So I have a lot of thoughts on that. I love that comp. I had, I, you know, I'd been struggling to come up with a, a comparison for Thanos and I think that's, that's perfect. Um, it's, it's really funny because I don't know if you've read any of it. I've read a couple excerpts from it, but uh, Ethan Strauss' book, The Victory Machine, just came out, and um, he talks about Kevin Durant and uh, the disillusionment of happiness among superstar athletes. And that's something that I've been uh, very interested in because I was uh, – I, I didn't make it quite as a pro, but I was, was trying to make it on up there. And um, So it's, it's always been something I'm really interested in, and, like just the seeking of accomplishment and how that – doesn't necessarily result in happiness and sometimes it can result in even more discontent than you have already. So that's really interesting. I love that comparison. It's uh, definitely difficult to, to picture Kevin Durant as Thanos, but uh, it <laughs> definitely yeah. uh, fits the part story-wise. I really like that. Um, I think the first one that I have was more of a comedic direction. Uh, than anything, but I thought it was perfect because uh, I, I actually just I scrolled through the 70, 72 pages of characters on, on Marvel.com for every single character there is and oh, no. so I just went through it to to find as many comparisons as I could and I think my favorite one I came up with J. Jonah Jameson if you're not familiar with the name, I'm sure you are, but anybody who, who is listening um, the the editor for the Daily Bugle, editor and owner for the Daily Bugle uh, in Spider-Man and the, the perfect excerpt from Marvel.com notorious for his editorial attacks on costume superheroes. And I immediately thought of Bill Simmons. Uh, I I just don't think you can go wrong with that. Bill Simmons is notorious for his editorial attacks on players, a la uh, superheroes. Um, I just thought that was too perfect. I I couldn't, couldn't break that comp. So take with that what you will. I won't dive into that one too much more, but I thought that was great. That's excellent. Um,
1: I never would have made that association, but it fits perfectly Um, and Jay Jonah still added it. If you saw the night that episodes three and four of The Last Dance came out, um, Simmons tweeted about those that was the Dennis Rodman episode. Oh, that he's not interesting. Oh my God. It's not interesting. And, and someone very funnily, you know, tweeted back that this is Bill Simmons who will write like a 10,000 word piece on him and Sully, you know, playing at the slot machines in Vegas and, that that may not be more interesting than Dennis Rodman. Um, I love that comparison. I think that's, I think that's perfect. And I think it's funny that as Simmons grows older, you have this transition from a guy who really was a fan to a guy who now has enough power and clout that like, he can be kind of miserable about something that should just be fun. Um, And Jameson, you would think, okay, you, you run a paper, like you can have some fun with this and, the guy
0: is just relentlessly miserable. Yeah, um, That's exactly. an excellent
1: comparison. That's very yeah. good. And
0: you could even draw it farther. Uh, Jameson is always chasing after Spider-Man. Well, Bill is always going after Kyrie Irving. So I think, you know, you just <laughs> the, the parallels grow, man. The parallels grow. That is true. Um, um, so what's your next one? Well, as long as we're talking Spider-Man,
1: um, I, I see Steph Curry when I see Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. On the level of um if you see, you know, Bruce Wayne or Clark Kent um, you know coming out of the locker room at the Y, like they might look like superheroes. Like you might suspect there's something going on there. Peter Parker does not have that look. The baby um, face assassin, yeah. Steph Curry, you know, looks like your friendly neighborhood three point shooter. <laughs> um, and yet what's funny with Spider Man, if you if you if you want to really nerd it up, um Spider Man narratively, is extraordinarily powerful. We lose sight of that, I think, a lot because it's Peter Parker, and and we play more on the silly elements, but, like, Spider-Man in a fight would destroy Batman because he's just freakishly physically powerful, and he has this sense where he always knows, you know, and when you see stuff running around, like, it's not just to me remarkable that Curry does all the, the fantastic productive things that he does. It's that for a guy that small, who clearly could have it, and I know the league is not as blood and thunder as it used to be, but, like, you don't see Steph getting crushed. You don't see him getting blindsided by picks. You don't see him getting layups or from outside. You don't see him getting blocked. Like, he has this incredible sense of presence of where he is and where others are. And he doesn't look like anything until he starts doing what he does and then it looks so natural. And and in Spider Verse, um, like the animation, one of the things that I love so much about yeah, MCU also has it. But Spider Man always looks so graceful. Like he always looks. It doesn't look like a toy or a or a blueprint. It looks like that's what a person would actually look like if they could do that. And Steph to me always has that same natural. It's not natural. That's the trick of it. He's worked. He's worked at it. But he appears so fluid and graceful and yet small and not threatening. And yet really when he's at his best, like he's right up there with anybody. And I think Spider-Man's the same way.
0: Yeah. I love that comparison. It's almost like um, when you see Steph uh, running a zipper action or um, (laughs) taking some kind of back cut, uh, like yeah, his movement on the court. It's almost like when you see Peter Parker swinging through New York city. Like it's uh it's it's crazy the comparisons we can draw with this yeah no I totally agree with that I hadn't I had, you know my initial thought with him was uh, it was John Moran a little bit because I was like you know kind of like a mm. small spindly guy on the younger end but I like Steph a little bit better I think that that works a little bit more because Jaw's maybe not quite as graceful yet. he's got a little bit more flair and uh, some of the missed dunks the ending of Kevin Love uh, earlier in the year. Um, no, I love that. I love that one. i has got a little carnage to him. Yeah. Yeah. Know? He's got, he's got a little bit too much of, he's, he's throwing a little extra cumin on that, uh, on that, on that chicken <laughs> there. But, um, I think so <laughs> leaning more towards spice, I think one that the first one that I had, the immediate thought I had, and actually the reason I wanted to do this, because originally I wasn't sure I was going to do a, a Marvel based podcast, but, uh, I thought, uh, I saw like a picture of Wolverine. I was like, that's Russell Westbrook. <laughs> the, the exact thing I thought when I saw, I saw, I saw, uh, I saw a picture of Logan. I'm like, that is Russell West, Westbrook, just grizzly. Um, sometimes seen as the bad guy, but I really think deep down Russ is you know, a pretty good guy. I, I think that he often gets mischaracterized and he's often been like, I I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on personal thought. He, he, he got seen as kind of a, like a ball hog in, in OKC. And you can maybe have some uh, argument there, but I think at the same time, a, the, the the level of teammates that he had in OKC was never at the level that people thought um, mm-hmm. but then also I've always just seen Russ as a guy who's more um, trying too hard rather than not trying enough I think there's been a, like this uh, occasional thought by you know national pundits that he's like just uh, selfish or something and I think no he just wants to win and he's trying his best to win and maybe it doesn't work always but he's very similar to Wolverine he's he's the hammer and he needs direction, you know? And I mean, he's got it this year. He's finally in a, in a good setting this year. And so I, I just thought him as, as Wolverine was like, perfect. I knew um this is a sports writer and, and feature writer named Neil Gabler,
1: who um, the first year that Westbrook, it must've been in college. There was a year or it was the first year that Westbrook was selected as a as a candidate for the Olympic team, Mm -hmm. you know, they have a camp where they whittle it down. So Gabler was at the camp covering, um, like early practices. And this is the top, the top, top players in this country competing for this level. And he said, it was, uh, it was obvious from minute one that Westbrook was going out harder than anybody. Like the whole time that he was there. Um, I feel as a, as a Nick fan who watched particularly Patrick Ewing through the nineties, um, I think there are things you can criticize Russell Westbrook for. I think it's absurd at times to criticize him, like you're saying, given what he had to work with. Um, he's he's had great teammates in the past, but um, when he was basically alone for a year, like, I don't see how a guy with, like, a 40% assist rate can be. And I know all assists are not created equally, but I do think he gets too much crap. Um, I had actually, similar but different to you, but I think it's the same principle. I had Westbrook kind of like as a mini Hulk because I feel like, He's this just concentrated form of energy that can't like at his best you can't stop him like in a different way versus we'll talk maybe about Harden later but like Harden to me um, I had a Doctor Strange association because he's extremely arrogant I feel but he's enchanting he's literally enchanting like he does things that defy your eye and defy your sense of reason and and Westbrook I feel like is equally. Um, magical, but not in a not in a how did he do it way. Like he'll he'll go through you. He'll go through them. He'll go through everybody. And I feel like, especially when you see him sometimes, like activated and it gets turned on. Like he's just this physical force. I think it's, I think it's beautiful to watch. I think it's I think it's beautiful. Um, so I see a little Hulk there. I see a guy that like. And like Wolverine, he, he can be sometimes a villain, sometimes a hero. He's not cut and dry, um, but he's just such a force, you know, and it's it's all something internal. that all comes out of him um, and maybe sometimes to a fault. But I respect the fact that just he is not – he's going to run through a building and you can follow or you can get out of the way, but like, you're not going <laughs> to yeah. stop it. You're not going to stop it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. Um, It's actually kind of funny. So you you mentioned having uh, Doctor Strange for for James Harden. I had Victor Von Doom for James Harden. Um, Because I think Victor, I I think obviously because the the Fantastic Four movies were probably the worst Marvel movies of all time. um, People forget about uh, Doctor Doom. But Doctor Doom is like maybe other than, gosh, like Ultron. Like probably the most powerful supervillain in the MCU. So... Mm -hmm. I mean, that's James Harden. James Harden's incredibly smart, uh, not super well-liked, which sometimes I don't understand. I mean, it doesn't help that TNT has a personal vendetta against him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard to, to not put him there. He's such a singular force. Victor Von Doom never works with anybody. He's always doing it on his own. Uh, mm-hmm. his, his power is just everywhere and very visible. And for me, that's James Harden. But I, I like, I like Dr. Strange as well. Um, but for Dr. Strange, I actually had CP three, former James hard running mate. Um, cause he's kind of, uh, he's, I feel like Dr. Strange has a charisma to him, but he does some things that are a little, little shifty that you maybe don't like. And that's CP three, you know, uh, getting colluding with the rest a little bit, drawing technical fouls at the end of games, uh, for untucked jerseys. Um, but just has a craftiness to him that makes him impeccable. So I think CP three works for Dr. Strange as well. It does. It does work. I, I think I see CP3 as a young version of the ancient one.
1: Like I can see CP3 in 50 years being the person that Dr. Strange is seeking out mm-hmm. who has all this knowledge and all this brains, but also completely works as, as Dr. Strange. And I'm, I think importantly on the level of like arrogance, like Chris Paul is arrogant. You can say he deserves to be, but like
0: he's arrogant yeah. and Dr. Strange, you know,
1: very arrogant.
0: I think, yeah, there's such a bad connotation with the word arrogant sometimes, but it's, it's right. It's fitting. I mean, like, there's a difference between being arrogant and having no reason to be, but then, I mean, when you're yeah. at that level, you you have the right to be arrogant a little bit because yeah. you can carry that air with you. Um so yeah, also, he's not delusional. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's not like, uh, well, Michael Beasley wasn't arrogant. Michael Beasley was a little delusional. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> Michael Beasley was,
1: was his own separate universe. Like, he's like image or or, you know, He's a separate company.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I actually so totally unrelated to Marvel, but um, I was talking with my friends the other day. Uh, the The video came up from uh, the one time when when Beas was playing with the Knicks and he uh, he went to check in and takes off his sweatpants, no shorts underneath. Didn't even realize until the crowd starts going crazy. That oh man, dude, Michael Beasley killed me. That was uh, we had him um, in our in our most
1: Six moment ever tournament. We had Beasley explaining. Um, using 11% of the, how nobody uses 11% of the brain and there's a clip I don't know if you ever seen it there's a clip when he's on I think Minnesota where he's on, he's on the bench and he's like tapping himself on the knee and then starts like tapping the knee next with no recognition that this is another human being for, yeah. like, for like a couple of seconds and I, I showed it to my fiance because it doesn't snap when you describe it you must be getting something wrong because that can't possibly happen and then you watch it, and you're like, no, that happened.
0: That's- yeah, no, exactly, man. That, that that was always crazy to me. <laughs> oh, man. Good old Michael Beasley. Um, <laughs> so moving on to another one. Um, oh, wait. Actually, I just went. Who who did you have?
1: Um, I have
0: still. I'm going to go with um,
1: – so I was trying to think who LeBron would be um, in Marvel, and I ended up settling on Captain America – the reason being, um, LeBron. I, I when I look at LeBron, I see unlike like Michael Jordan, trained like with Dean Smith. He trained you know with the best the best possible college person to give to the pros. Mm-hmm. Kobe Ryan's drafted to the Lakers. Jerry West is there. Um, Shaq is there. There's actually two All Star guards already ahead of Kobe and Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones. Yep. He has also kind of like go train learn. When I see LeBron, I think of Steve Rogers because I think of a guy who like wants it from the start, is not, and, and it's a weird because LeBron I don't think ever looks like young Steve Rogers, but there's a parallel in the sense that he was humble, he wanted it, um, he committed to it, and he's not someone who, he's a Like Captain America, the moment he's there, because of what he earned it, because of what precedes his, his experiment, He's a natural leader, like just he's an icon. People flocked him. LeBron, like it's it's hilarious to see, and I just saw it again like a month ago, maybe. Interview clips with Cavalier players
0: after he's drafted, but before he's coming. Darius Miles, Darius Miles, and, oh, my Darius God. Miles and Carmel- I think it's Ricky Pierce. No, not Ricky Pierce. It's Ricky uh, Davis. Yeah, Ricky Davis. Can't forget him. You're seeing these guys, like okay, like he's he's. I think it was
1: Ricky. I think Darius Miles was the one who said, like, you know, if he wants to come on board, he can come on board. And am like, no, he's not here to come on board. Like, he's here to clear you out and get going. And I see Captain America, to me, as someone also, he wasn't born into it, humble background. Um, and as soon as he arrived, he's there. Um, and it's it's hard to imagine the time before him. And I feel like Captain America, in the context of the Marvel Universe, is another guy who there's in the movies especially there are no heroes before him Mm -hmm. um but once he's there you can't imagine what it was like before him and i I feel the same way with lebron
0: ah gosh yeah captain america is so much better for him i originally i had steph as captain america but i feel like steph is not vocal enough to be captain america so yeah i like that that comp for lebron who do you have for thor so this one was actually kind of easy for me. I have Giannis and Tenakumpo as Thor because oh, he is not even human. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, it, it's 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 unlikely that he is the same species as as you or I or any other mortal man. And that is Thor among the Marvel universe for the Avengers at least. So it's hard to not go with Giannis there. I like that. I like that. I had Giannis um, as group. I think because
1: I just think of the long limb. Like I just when I think of Groot, I think of Giannis and Groot is, is really, really strong. Like he's surprisingly powerful mm-hmm. um, as a character. So for Thor, really kind of aesthetically and just and a little crossover, I had Luka Doncic. Um, I can see Luka with like the Thor beard. I can literally yeah. see Luka like in Asgard, like living it up. And there's something, um, especially in the early MCU, um, there's something very, Bright about Thor, just bright and joyful um and yet obviously like oddly powerful and Luca like there's a brightness to him, there's a joy um there's a a hard to understand um advancement beyond his years of what he can do, and I feel like Thor being a god um has that kind of parallel also i i i, I think that's I would like to see Luka Doncic like with a hammer like, yeah yeah like that. I think, think that's it.
0: I could see it. I think, yeah, that would, that would be really funny. I like, I like the idea of Luca with a hammer. Um, I actually, yeah, I thought about Luca too. Um, I think, yeah, Giannis' group is tough. I actually had sort of similarly, I thought uh, Rudy Gobert's group because of the same thing. <laughs> Half of the time I can't understand what he's saying, and he has really long limbs. So I was like maybe group, but then I also went in the direction of Derrick Rose's group because – so you got to stick with it for a sec because if okay. he dies, you think he's gone, but then he comes back. He regrows. Derek Rose. I mean, like, it's, it's maybe not aesthetically, <laughs> you don't see it, but it has happened numerous times. Derek Rose is, a, is officially back, you know, the last year and a half. Yeah. So I think yeah. you, can, you can see it a little bit. Now that you mention, now when I
1: picture Derek Rose's, like, facial features in a tree, it makes a lot of sense. I never had that thought till right now. Yeah. But that actually makes a disturbing amount of <laughs> yeah i
0: had to dig deep for that one a little bit he wasn't exactly uh regrowing in new york but uh no we, <laughs> I, we don't have to bring that one up that was uh, we'll the, pay that for the next one yeah the yokum Noah contract oh boy uh yeah. <laughs> sorry uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another kind of kind of funny one um I think, first of all, Avengers Age of Ultron is one of the most underrated MCU movies. I love that one. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite Avengers movie, but I think it's, it's probably my second favorite. Because I think Ultron's a really interesting character. And the fact that they were able to do everything they did with him in one movie, I really liked. And mm-hmm. so this is like, you know, the, the, the definition for Ultron. He was supposed to save the world, but decides that he wants to destroy it because he becomes too powerful and all-knowing. Um, and... I have two answers for this one, or I guess you you could put three. So I have, number one, Tillman Fertitta, um, because he was brought in to (laughs) buy the Rockets and bring them to confidence. But now, look at Tillman. He's ruining everything they have. He's trying to bring down the cap. Mike D'Antoni's not going to be back. Daryl Morey's probably gone, uh, and they have a capped-out roster. Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. And Tillman Fertitta, from all we know, just not a great guy. Uh, Very Ultron-like. I can totally see it. Um, and then my secondary answer, uh, more of me ragging on TNT a little bit, uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson combined as one to be Ultron, uh, mm. tearing apart the modern game one step at a time. Uh, they were brought on to TNT to to help usher in knowledge to, to fans, and instead they uh, complained about t- uh, taking a step back three or uh, taking an open three instead of driving to the rim. So I, I thought it was it was hard to not – not choose between one of those guys. I like that very much. Um wow. What is your favorite Marvel movie? It's not electron f- uh, Favorite Marvel favorite movie? Favorite Avengers movie or favorite Marvel movie? Uh yeah, I feel like I have to exclude Endgame because that's just a, that's a cop out to say uh, Endgame. I really liked Black Panther. Honestly, I think uh, mm-hmm. Eric Killmonger was probably the best done Marvel villain in my opinion. I think I mean Michael B Jordan's an incredible actor. Um, but him as Eric Killmonger was amazing because for so many of the Marvel villains, it's just so clear cut that they're bad. You know, there's no right or wrong with it. And I get that it's, it makes for good movie telling. Um, But with Eric Killmonger, obviously he's a bad dude, but there's reasoning for it. And you see that and it's more than in any other Marvel movie. Like you have a real connection to him. And when he dies, it's first of all, I did not expect him to die. I, I wasn't very well versed with black Panther, first time I went in and saw the movie and so I did not expect him to die at all and I was very moved I think that's the most moved I'd ever been during a Marvel movie Um, so I think for me it's got to be Black Panther what's yours
1: so I'm partial
0: to I like the Guardians movies a lot and as a reader back
1: in the day I was mostly interested in the cosmic characters so um, Gamora and Drax were part of what I read a lot when I was younger Um, so when I saw the first Guardians movie, I didn't have, I just went in to see it. I had very few, I had almost no expectations. Mm-hmm. and it, They were so funny and so different um, that I think, and and I keep waiting for Guardians 3 because then they're gonna supposedly bring around Adam Warlock who was like my favorite character by far when I was a kid. So like mm-hmm. I've always been invested in Guardians. I agree with you that I think the the through line of disappointment in these films until for me Thanos was the villains are often like cheesy and one dimensional and um, they want power because they want, it's not really interesting. Kill was a great character. Um, I would say probably guardians. I enjoyed the most. I was surprised at how good um, the captain America movies are because as a character, captain America can be done in a very corny way. Yeah, when he's done well, he's he's amazing. And I was, I think, expecting corny, and when I saw, um, especially Winter Soldier—I mean, all of them, but um, especially Winter Soldier—I was like,
0: "That's really good." Yeah, Winter Soldier. No. I was, yeah, Winter Soldier is phenomenal. I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you because you think of uh, when you, uh, you know, obviously when people think of the Avengers movies, they maybe don't think of great acting, and I think. To some extent, you know, a lot of it's just having great cinematics and um, understanding where the story's going. You don't need necessarily incredible acting. Um, but I think what Chris Evans did as Steve Rogers was incredible because you look back, and if if this movie's, like, cast in the 90s, Arnold Schwarzenegger's probably playing Captain America or somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger who doesn't have an accent because you can't have Captain America with an accent. But, uh, like... And it would be done in a very rah-rah, I'm big and muscly and all about America kind of way. And Chris Rogers – I mean, Chris Evans, Steve Rogers uh, is done in a way that that makes him – he's, like, charismatic. You know that he's just kind of a straight edge, all about doing things the right way kind of person, but not in a way that makes you feel like, oh, wow, that dude was, like, not who I want to be sitting next to in class. Like, it's it, – it, they do it in such a good way. And I, I, I totally agree with that. I think that that was a – a really good way of putting it on, on the way that Captain America can be done. It's especially interesting when
1: they juxtapose him with Iron Man, because in civil war, you you get to a point where Captain America, despite his seeming squareness and and corniness is still just as invested in his values, but finds himself in the position of kind of the black sheep. Like he's not Mm -hmm. the one who thinks, yeah, we need more. He's, he's been through. I, I really like, especially the moments where they play on him and Tony and Steve is arguing like, like from the position I've been in war, like, I'm telling you, like, this isn't just theory. This isn't just, um, and there's that, that beautiful line. I think it starts in, in infinity war. Um, in one of the films where, where Tony's like, well, what if, what if, you know, what if that doesn't happen? Like, what if we lose? And Steve says that we'll lose together. And it's like, you're not supposed to think, you know, like you're saying in the nineties, your hero will never say that sort of thing they'll have some catchphrase to prompt only positive thinking to have Steve who's been through war telling the rest of them, like then we'll lose, but we'll lose together. Um, It's a beautiful moment. And I think another reason you're right that like, I don't think the writing and even the acting is the point of the films, but I think one of the criticisms that's unfair of the MCU um, and it comes a lot, you know, when Scorsese will bitch about, you know, Oh dude, don't even get me started on that. That (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, so in at the end of Infinity War when, you know, hopefully no spoilers for anybody, when Spider-Man dies, that's an incredibly moving moment. And it's not strictly a moving moment because the audience is sad that Tom Holland is passing away. The audience, for the most part, has already had a lifetime experience with this character. So seeing Spider-Man on a big screen die is not something most people have ever seen. These movies understand and and work off of the starting point of, okay, this isn't Goodfellas. We don't have to introduce you to Henry Hill. You already know these people. We'll give you some background because that's fun, but let's get going into what we're getting into. And I think critics underestimate that these films are playing off of a kind of shorthand because we don't need everything. Mm -hmm. You know, we're already there with you. Take us. So when, when things happen, when Thanos throws Gamora, you know, to her death, that means something like, it doesn't matter that it's not an Oscar directed felt like it's just good storytelling, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't have to watch somebody slicing garlic with a razor to know that it's a good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, man. I, 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 I enjoy Scorsese movies, but uh, he lost a couple points for me after I saw that. I'm like, Hey man, not everything yeah. has to be all serious and, and, and dry and, and taken from the same point of view. I think that they were done in a good way. Um, I'm like, isn't he doing okay? Like,
1: is yeah, that okay exactly. That
0: other people in the world have this, and you have that. Like, I am like, right. hey man, maybe spend a little bit more time making the Irishman quality instead of <laughs> just trying <laughs> to destroy the Marvel universe. Uh, right. But so actually, another one because you made me think with uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy. This is another funny one. I, I got a lot of funny ones. Um, this is a, a, a recent addition to uh, to NBA Twitter um, that I find just. Pisses me off even more than he ever did as a player. Um, Ronan, the accuser, has to be Kendrick Perkins. Like it has to be Kendrick Perkins. Thank you for calling out Kendrick Perkins. Uh, oh, dude, I can't stand Kendrick Perkins. That's like a
1: public service that you're
0: performing. He's he's a great dude, you know. I I'm, I'm sure uh, was a great teammate, but he just has such this like heightened vision that is mind blowing. Yes, like. Yes, he does. Like, just some of the blatant, like, rip-offs and stuff. Like, he did, like, a top five shooting guards list last week, and he had Ray Allen on it. And then on second thought, he deletes it and then puts it back up without Ray Allen on it because my Celtics teammate who left, even though we, like, shunned him. And, you know, I, I, I never understand the 2018 too much. Um mm-hmm. but. Yeah, dude. I thought it was perfect because Ronan, I mean, Ronan is, is, you know, he's nowhere near Thanos' power level, but he thinks he's close to it. Um, and then he's kind of just there to be big and smash his hands on things. And it's, it's kind of how Kendrick Perkins' playing career and now his media career is playing out a little bit.
1: I can see Perkins in the hood. I can see Perkins with the eye makeup. I can see Perkins, like, losing a dance-off at the end of a bat. Like, it all fits It all yeah. fits oddly well. Um Excellent call. I would never have
0: thought of that, but that's excellent. I was pretty pumped about that one. That was actually one of my favorite casting moments in in Marvel. I loved Lee Pace as Ronan. Yeah. I thought he was great in that. Um, And uh, another one, not necessarily comedic, but also a little bit. Uh, Nick Fury has to be Rich Paul. uh, Orchestrating everything (laughs) in the background. (laughs) The puppeteer moving out all the pieces around in the league. uh, Making sure that things happen. It's, uh, I, I see it. I see it. <laughs> huh. I do too. I, do see, I see that as well. Um,
1: that's perfect. Um, I will add to that. Um, I had two for Kawhi. Um, I think there's two characters he causes with for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I have Kawhi as Black Widow and Scarlet Witch. I have him as Black Widow because I just think when she works, she's very, very quiet. And even watching Kawhi, especially regular season Kawhi, um, I've never in my life seen someone as 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 high up as he is. That you can stay up for a ten thirty West Coast game and be midway through the third quarter and not really be aware of anything. He can have sixteen points, and like you're not. He's so quiet. I know he can be quiet off the court too, but um, I appreciate that his game can be quiet. And I see a Scarlet Witch connection in that if you remember, um, in the films especially, her, her power is kind of like chaos magic. Like she can do odd, weird things with her magic. And if you remember at the end of Endgame, um, when they're all on the battlefield um, and everyone's kind of taking their shots back and forth, at Thanos, like she shows in that scene that like she's about as, as powerful as, and she's one of the only people who's able to like effectively stand up to him like one-on-one Um, And I see Kawhi's energy as generally not just on the court, but the fact that, like, so this is a guy who has destroyed potentially, like, four dynasties already. He destroyed Miami. He destroyed San Antonio. He destroyed Golden State. If you want to argue Toronto as a burgeoning thing, um, he just has this crazy energy that cannot be denied. Um, And he, he makes his own path, and he goes along in life, and I can see him marrying someone like Vision. Like, it just works. Yeah, I mean, I can just see Kawhi as quiet,
0: kooky, doing his thing. I love that you throw in that he destroyed San Antonio too. <laughs> that was a great addition to that. Uh, no, I totally, I totally see that. I actually hadn't thought of anybody for Kawhi because I feel like so many of the characters aren't quiet, but I, I liked that. That was really good. Um, another one that was uh, slightly funny, but also I think rings true. Um, so Venom slash Eddie Brock. Um, but, I, but more of the Topher Grace version of Eddie Brock than, uh, than Tom Hardy. And I had D'Angelo Russell. Uh, because Interesting. He was an investigative journalist for Nick Young for uh, the first part of his Lakers career. So I thought, <laughs> I thought it fit a little bit with Eddie Brock. That does fit. I can't does But yeah, it I thought it was. worked out a little good. better for D'Angelo than it did for Eddie. Oh, that is for sure. That was uh, one of the worst casting mistakes in Marvel history. Oh, my God. Yeah. Luckily that, I mean, technically not on, uh, on Marvel, but geez. Yeah. Yeah. But better left unspoken. Uh, yes, completely. Um, and then, you know, one that I want to, I really want to bring up for a debate because I, uh, I have thoughts, but I wasn't sure. Obviously, I mean, it sounds very trendy to say, but my favorite Marvel character is obviously Deadpool. I mean, I think Deadpool is just incredible. It's so, so versatile as a character. I have so many of the comic books sitting in my back room right now. Um, and I already feel like cracking him open, but I have for right now, I have Spencer Dinwiddie as Deadpool. And I know it's not perfect, but it, just his Twitter presence, uh, on court presence. I like it. I, I I've never seen Deadpool as somebody being the most powerful guy in the universe, but he gets the job done often in a very quirky, herky jerky way. Uh, I kind of see that with Spencer Dinwiddie a little bit. Um, and it's just, especially his off court presence as well. Cause his off court presence, uh, it's not. I mean, he's a very good player. He's a borderline all-star when he's at playing at his best. But his off-court presence kind of boosts up his, his on-court presence, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Um, we, we like to call him the, the Bitcoin Mamba in New York. Um, I see that. He's, he's resilient, um, which Deadpool is also.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he's annoying, particularly to Knicks. He's always trolling the Knicks. Yep. Um, but he, he tends to back it up. Um, I'm going to pair your Deadpool with his net teammate. Um, I have Kyrie as, as Nebula because I just think there's there's so much. Like, Nebula has a disturbing. Nebula is Nebula's dealing with some things all the time. Mm-hmm. She seems to come, come by it honestly. Um, she frequently needs surgery and has all these physical problems constantly. And when I think of Kyrie, like, I think of someone who is incredibly like she's nebulous powerful she's gifted she's driven but there's something wrong there um on both levels like physical and mental and i don't i can't Kyrie is his own person um but i just he's not easy um if you take the pack if you if you received a package of Kyrie irving in the mail and then you build it i think it turns out to be more complicated than you assumed it would be just based on, like, the parts that are there, you
0: know? Yeah, like, you thought you were going to be building, a like, a Lego fort, and it ends up being a Star Destroyer instead, so.
1: Yeah, yeah that has really interesting theories about the universe, but um, also is impossible to coach. Yes, you know? yeah. Uh, I got Kyrie there.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good comp. I, 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 I like that. I, I was trying to think, did I? I don't think I had Kyrie written down for anybody. I'd been thinking about him. But uh, pairing a little bit with Deadpool for Cable, um, so a th- kind of time-traveling old guy who's, who's been hardened by war. And I thought, who better to go there than Vince Carter? I mean, his knees have definitely Vince been hardened Carter. by war. Um, he's a grizzled veteran. And I think he's the only person old enough in the NBA to be Cable. So <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I thought there was there were definitely some comparisons there as well. There definitely is, yeah. Vince Carter is Cable. That sentence has probably never been said before, and like I know, right? <laughs> so many, so many firsts on this podcast. I, I love it, though. Uh, and then another one that I like, uh, Stephen Adams. I really wanted to bring Stephen Adams in somehow, um, and I think he's he's colossus, man. Like, obviously, doesn't have the Ru- Russian accent, mm-hmm. but he's just this big, massive dude who has no brutish behavior about him whatsoever. Uh, mm-hmm. He's like. The size of the hawk, but the total opposite. Just, like, very <laughs> calm on court. Never gets into fights. Even when Draymond kicked him in the balls, he did not <laughs> react at all. Um, so I, th- I think it's just so c- comparable to Colossus uh, mm-hmm. in that sense. That works. Yeah, it's
1: quiet nobility to him. Um, I'll give you a couple of others. I have, um, for Hawkeye, I have Davis Pertanz from the Wizards. Um, because he does one thing really well, which is he's very accurate from distance. And that's it.
0: Um, yeah i cool like that i had hawkeye. For, for hawkeye I, I had uh i had anthony morrow because uh, my idea with hawkeye is literally all he does is shoot and that was anthony morrow uh <laughs> he didn't do anything else on the court man but he sure shot and yeah mm-hmm. bertans is great too for current day i i like that one a lot um i thought about jj reddick as well but he does so much outside of shooting like his gravity and he can make a little bit so i i thought yeah you know, I, I like Bretons a lot. That's really good. And then I think kind of my—I uh, don't know what other ones you have, but kind of one of my last ones that I have, uh, not really for any particular reason, uh, but I just—I I thought of of Green Goblin, and for some reason Jimmy Butler's name just seemed perfect as <laughs> the Green Goblin. It is perfect. Yeah. Maybe I'm just uh, too too focused on Willem Dafoe from the original uh, Spider-Man movie, but I just see it. I see Jimmy Butler as a uh, as as Green Goblin a little bit. Mhm. Mhm.
1: To continue with Spidey villains,
0: um, I have Anthony Davis as Doc Ock.
1: Oh, yes. Because I think there's just all this length there, and like Anthony Davis was six six one until. I think his junior year of high school, and then he suddenly exploded. Um, and Doc Ock also was like a normal person, and then added all this length and appendage. Yeah. Um, so I see that. Um, I have two more that are not Marvel, but they're comic related. Okay. Um, so I had to get Carmelo Anthony in here because <laughs> I'm a big fan. So we have in there. If you read or saw The Watchmen, um, there's a character in it named the co- There's a character named the Comedian, mm-hmm. and Carmelo strikes me as a comedian in the sense that, and I think this especially hit him when he was traded from New York and OKC didn't really owe him anything. And um, at the, they were playing Utah in the playoffs, and at the end of the series, which they lost, they went on a huge run without him. And like he wanted to come back on the floor. And I think he was starting to get a taste of, like, you're not guaranteed anything. And then he bounced around from, Houston and and Chicago and possibly Atlanta had him on the books, but never played him. Mm. And then they couldn't find a job for a while. And now you see back with Portland, like he loves the life, like he loves being a player. He just, he enjoys being there and the comedian in a much darker way. um, There's a scene in Watchmen where Dr. Manhattan is talking about the comedian's behavior in Vietnam. And and the comedian is just off, off the rails, like committing war crimes. But to Dr. Manhattan, like, He's being true to his nature. Like this, he's not—he's not thinking of it as deviant behavior. He's behaving as if he's in his element, and he's yeah. just enjoying it so much. And I feel like when you saw Carmelo, especially in the last year, you saw a guy like really coming to a sense of peace with like, okay, I'm not 28. I can't force someone to trade half a team for me, whatever. Yeah. But I really just I enjoy this element. I I belong here. I enjoy being here. I I don't make sense. He used to do all this talking about. I'm going to be the first digital athlete. I'm going to be blah, blah, blah. You're you're a basketball player. You'll do other things. But I enjoy seeing him in his environment where I think he's happiest. And I think he found that too, Um, which was nice to see. And lastly, um, because there always has to be Batman. um, I have Ben Simmons as Batman for this reason. Um, Because Batman does everything except the one thing that most superheroes can do, which is fly. And Ben Simmons does everything except the one thing all good players can do, which is shoot. So I feel like Ben Simmons, incredible, can do all the all the all the things, but you know he's not Superman. He's not, you know, he's not Wonder Woman. He's it's awesome that you can do all those things, but you know when Dark Side or Thanos come down, you might want to set aside and let someone else handle it. And I feel like Ben Simmons for all you can do there's a chance that if they have to trade someone they'll trade him before a bead and it's remarkable to me that a guy who does what he does on both ends who guards multiple positions at an all NBA level does everything he does
0: but has that one frailty yeah and that's that's, I really like that comparison so I had two things off that number one uh so the the comedian's uh, deviant behavior was was war and violence it was Melo's uh tw- twenty footers and uh, lack of defense, <laughs> um, but then with, with Ben Simmons, man, uh, totally unrelated to Marvel, but gosh, I am tired of people like crapping on Ben Simmons. He's yeah. so good. Like I don't care that he can't shoot. Frankly, I think I have more issues with the fact that he is. Like, not incorporated in the offense at all. Like, watching Philadelphia's offense, like, I mean, obviously I watch the Pacers, but I watch, like, the entire league. You know, I I love basketball. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what I do. Um, so, like, just seeing the way that he doesn't get used in the offense sometimes is mind-boggling. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just, like, it, it's not about him not being able to shoot. It's, like, why are you in the why, – why is he being put in the dunker spot in a four-out? Like, it just uh, – it's – I'll never get over it. And it baffles me.
1: I don't know if it's roster construction. I don't know if it's trying to balance him and Embiid. But when I think, at the time that I've watched basketball, like Magic Johnson, basically a point, played point guard, but he was basically yeah. a point forward. Not a great shooter at all. Um, but nobody sat around thinking, what what can't Magic Johnson do? They made it work. Scottie Pippen, basically a point forward. Not an elite shooter. He was not Chris Mullen. He was not Reggie Miller. Um, when you played Chicago, you did not mind Pippen pulling up from outside. The Bulls didn't worry about, well, they can't do, you know, they they maximized what he could do. I don't, if Philadelphia wants to trade Ben Simmons, I really think of the 29 other teams, at least like 26 of them would be happy to like have that problem on their roster and figure it out. Because that's a guy, two-way players who do multiple things who don't need the ball in their hands to be successful, who make teammates better. That, how many guys in the league just fit that list of criteria? Like eight. Plus he's like 22. Yeah. You don't hear, prob- you don't hear like, well, he's a locker room problem. He can't be coached. You, don't, you hear nothing about him ever being problematic other than, okay, he can't shoot. But, and yet, and it'll happen this year, half the guys drafted, you're going to hear, well, they don't really shoot well, but if they do, then they'll turn into – and they never do. And now you have a guy who already, like, he does this and this and this and this and this, and all you can think about is, well, I wish yeah. he could do what, what Marcus Morris could do.
0: Come on. <laughs> oh, you mean, uh, like, tackle people in post-game press conference uh, stuff? Oh, God, that was – I'm sure as a Knicks fan, that was tough to see this year, the, the comments he had after the Grizzlies game.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because when I was doing the not when I was doing the research for our um, our our most next moment tournament, um, I found from the '90s um, Chris Childs talking about I think Reggie Miller. Chris Childs was talking about someone, and then there's a you, you probably you probably know this. There was a famous incident in 1993 when Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller kind of got into it. And you see, Reggie, you see Jordan kind of like really rakes Miller's eyes and they have to be separated. Um, it's the 90s. So Jordan literally punches him, rakes at his eyes, and is not even called for a foul or a technical. Um, he got suspended afterwards. But like, stayed in the game, Bulls won. When they interviewed Jordan after the game, Jordan's comments about Miller were almost identical to what Morris was saying wow. about Jay Crowder. Literally saying like, he flops around like a woman. It's like fighting a woman. And, like, you won't see that in the last dance, but I was struck in the 90s. I guess I shouldn't be at how often I was still seeing players I never associated that with and being like, oh. Yeah, that's crazy oh, to think were, about, they man. They
0: saying that. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, it was a real pleasure. It's great to have something to look forward to that's about basketball and Marvel. Uh, I don't know how many times <laughs> I'll be able to say that in the same sentence. Um, To all of you listening, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, stay safe out there. Uh, Hang in there. We're going to get through this. Have a good rest of your day.